Hey, Blaine from DTC Pod here, and today we've got two amazing AI tools for you guys to check out. So AI is obviously eating the world, and these two by HubSpot, where you're really gonna love. So the first one's called Content Assistant. Basically helps you create amazing content, which matters more today than ever. Everyone's creating content, so you've gotta stand out. Um, with HubSpot's AI-powered Content Assistant, you can brainstorm, create, and share content of Flash, all inside a super easy to use CRM. So, you know, think things like, brainstorming blog ideas, blog outlines, drafting copy on any topic from marketing trends to media kits or writing value props for your landing pages, prospecting emails and more. Uh, the second one is ChatSpot, which is basically a conversational bot that sits on top of your HubSpot CRM. So it's gonna automate all the manual tasks inside of HubSpot, help you engage more customers, close more deals and scale a little bit faster. Um, so if you want to find out more about how to use AI to grow your business, check out hubspot.com slash artificial dash intelligence. As a D2C brand, you need real-time financial visibility to save money and make better decisions. Waiting for books from slow and expensive bookkeepers that don't get e-commerce is slowing you down. Trusted by hundreds of brands, Finaloop is a real-time accounting service built by D2C founders for D2C founders. Try Final Loop completely free, no credit card required. Just visit finalloop.com slash d2cpod and get 14 days free and a two-month PL within 24 hours with all the e-com data and breakdowns you need to crush it. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we're joined by Mustafa Saeed, who is the co-founder and growth chief of Paul Street. So Mustafa, I'll let you kick us off. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you do in the e-commerce and D2C space? Yeah, excited to be on the podcast. Um, I'm a growth marketer and entrepreneur in the e-commerce industry. Uh, I've been fortunate to work with incredible brands like HelloFresh, Noom, Onnit, amongst over 400 others. Um, right now, I'm building Paul Street with Aaron Paul and Patrick Cleary. Uh, we're an affiliate and partner marketing agency. Uh, we started in January of this year. Uh, and have since grown to uh, more than two dozen, eight to nine figure a year brands. Uh, we're a team of almost 20 people now uh, and have established over a thousand uh, affiliate partnerships. Uh, we believe affiliate marketing is broken. Uh, there's a complete lack of transparency in this industry. Uh, there's so many you know, lower quality traffic sources and side hustlers that are just looking to get rich quick. Uh, we're taking a different approach by focusing only on the higher quality opportunities. These are the top 1% of affiliates. Uh, we avoid all coupon sites, all cashback sites, all credit card offers. Uh, those are the kind of sources that are, are likely to cause more harm than good for your business. Uh, they're usually not as high quality. They're not as incremental and don't usually as meaningfully contribute to that final conversion taking place. Uh, so, the type of affiliates that we do focus on are the media buyers. So these are affiliates that can spend five to six figures a day on meta ads, TikTok ads, Google, uh, Pinterest, programmatic, native, the list goes on. Uh, we also work with content publications, the likes of uh, Forbes, WikiHow, New York Post, social media influencers of all sizes, smaller podcasts, email newsletters, a lot of those kind of traffic sources. Uh, those are the opportunities that you know, historically we've seen as more incremental, uh, scalable opportunities. Uh, and that's what we want to focus all of our time on. Uh, these affiliates also will you know, take the time to create content, will actually educate prospective customers of your unique value and what problems that you're solving and 
work with us in optimizing their campaign, their performance. So uh, that's a little bit about us. Uh, it's been a very exciting year. It's come with its challenges, uh, but uh, we're still growing despite everything that's happened in this industry. Sweet. And and one of the reasons we're excited to to have you on is because I think for for brands, right? Growth is, especially if you're a brand that's starting out or you're a brand that's scaling, it's like you've got Facebook ads, you've got um, TikTok, and you've got these kind of ad platforms that you can run ads on. But then like you were saying, affiliate, it's kind of like once you open up that can of worms, it's like there, it's so big, right? It's like, which creator do I work with? Which publications do I work with? You've got PR, you've got, there's so many different ways and you've got like a limited ad budget to to spend on. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about like, you know, when a brand is kind of getting set up, what, what do they come, what do they come to you guys for? And what's your first like order of business in trying to like set an affiliate strategy? Yeah, of course. So to be honest, the overwhelming majority of the clients that we're working with today, uh, they're not, it's not their first walk in the park. It's not their first time in the affiliate space. Usually they've gone through multiple networks, multiple agencies. Uh, they've tried it in house. They've tried freelancers. Um, and I, I feel like we're in the intersection of affiliate marketing where a lot of brands are flocking to affiliate marketing because they see it as a more cost-effective means of acquiring customers, especially after iOS 14 uh, compared to Meta. Uh, but at the same time, so many of these brands are you know, distressed from affiliate marketing because uh, they've approached these uh, platforms and are just seeing bottom-of-the-barrel opportunities, the coupon sites, the cashback sites. Uh, so honestly, like one of the first things that we do is we scrap all of those traffic sources. We'll do a complete audit of uh, how they're doing things current state, and we'll just cut the uh, affiliates that we deem are of low quality, uh, not incremental. Um, and uh, we have our own process for educating the affiliates already within our network that we have experience with, that we've worked with before uh, on your product, its unique differentiators, and getting them excited to uh, create content, run ads, um, and generate revenue on the program. Uh, we're also focused on new affiliate recruitment. Uh, obviously, whenever we do bring a new brand, uh, they're going to have uh, unique needs in terms of what they are looking for. For example, if we're working with a cookware brand, um, perhaps you know it would be wise to work with YouTube cooking channels uh, or recipe bloggers or things of that nature. Uh, so uh, we have multiple ne mechanisms of uh, being able to identify the type of affiliates that uh, we do think would be a good fit for any given brand and multiple outreach methods uh, in order to bring them in, uh, again, educate them on the brand, give them all, everything that they need uh, in order to get off the ground. But that is really our, our general mentality as it relates to the type of brands that we're working with current state uh, and how really we get started. So I have I have a question, Mustafa, on the, you mentioned um, you guys have, you know, 1000 affiliate partners, for example. What does that exactly mean? You know, what is the vertical you guys focus on? So is it, you know, big affiliate partners or publishers? Is it just creators? Is it a combination of both and depends per brand? And then why are low quality affiliates? Like, why do they need to be removed? Yeah, of course. So just to speak on... Um, the type of client we work with on the brand side first. So uh, only eight to nine uh, figure a year plus uh, direct consumer brands, uh, but they'll always usually you know, have investments in Amazon, retail channels and elsewhere. Um, 
we work primarily with consumer packaged goods uh, brands, uh, largely because uh, you know they can capitalize on repeat purchasers. Um, we can bundle the products together to drive a higher AOV, and uh, generally they can pay a lot more for customer acquisition. Uh, so that's what it looks like on the brand side. For affiliates, it, it really it, uh, there's a much wider range uh, in terms of the media buyers. Uh, these are largely like media buying agencies that like to run affiliate offers on a performance model, kind of as an additional revenue stream, mainly because they don't have to deal with the overhead that comes with managing clients. And they have a much larger uh, number of brands to be able to activate on. And you know, of course, we provide them a lot of support. Um, also, in terms of media buyers, um, we also work with a lot of independent media buyers that are working as full-time media buyers at the larger agencies like Mute6 or uh, Unicorn Innovations, wherever else. Um, and they kind of see it as a side hustle. And those are the best affiliates to work with because uh, they have so much knowledge, so much insight, so much experience, and uh, they're generally much scrappier to work with as well. So they're constantly bringing new ideas in terms of uh, you know, what's working for them, in terms of their agency life, uh, and uh, what they think will perform for, for, for the campaign. In terms of the content side, um, content publications, of course, there are the larger ones like Forbes and Glamour, but... Uh, we also work with the mommy bloggers, uh, you know, those smaller creators that you know may not have in the many uh, tens of millions or hundreds of millions of monthly visitors. Uh, they may only have, you know, less than two million month monthly visitors, but they have a very highly concentrated audience or very loyal audience uh, that we can tap into. Um, a lot of these bloggers and content creators generally have multiple mechanisms of bringing customers back onto their site. Uh, so whether they have an email list uh, or a large social media following or some kind of community group on Facebook where you know their audience likes to hang out, um, having, for example, a, a, a mommy blogger create content around, for example, uh, one of our clients is a woman's supplement brand, um, can be you know very effective. Um, same thing goes for sex coaches or OBGYNs or um, uh, doctors that just happen to have a large uh, following, uh, we can leverage those creators as affiliates in order to create content and uh, drive uh, awareness and, and uh, acquisition uh, amongst their more concentrated uh, cohort of, 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 of customers. Um, similar thing in terms of podcasters, similar things in terms of email newsletters. Uh, there's really a range in terms of large, medium, and small. But when we are going smaller, just to make sure we're not wasting our time, what we do look for is that strong brand fit. So when they do send traffic, um, we're seeing more of the kind of performance that we're looking for. The, yeah, Mustafa, the, the question that I had is is sometimes even like what you're saying, it's it's tough to evaluate and pick the right partners. So like say a brand is coming to you for the first time and you're kicking off a campaign, you do an audit, you understand, okay, you know, let's get rid of their bad traffic sources. Here's a couple creators that might be a good fit, but like, why don't you talk to me about how many creators or publications you're working with? Like, just just kind of paint that picture for me in terms of like how to, I guess, launch a you know an MVP of that first successful affiliate sort of strategy. Of course, so it would be different on the media buyer side versus the content side. Uh, on the media buyer side, uh, we're acting much more intentionally. Uh, Ultimately, we don't want to work with people that are inexperienced that don't have credit lines and large budgets to be able to work with. Uh, you know, those are the kind of affiliates that are just going to waste our time. 
Uh, so we want to handpick the partners on the media buyer side, uh, just so we're working with the type of agencies that, um, you know, they're, they're going to buy the media efficiently and we can work with them more closely from an optimization perspective. Uh, so uh, usually we'll select uh, indiv individual media buyers that we've had success with in similar verticals, um, inform of, uh, them of the campaign launch, give them everything they need. Uh, and that's really how we get the ball going uh, in terms of the relationships there. Uh, on the content side, a, a huge issue in the world of content is, uh, you know, making that channel profitable. A, a lot of these uh, influencers and publications are just going to charge uh, exorbitant upfront fees in exchange for creating content for your brand. Uh, we don't want to do that, right? Uh, the reality of the matter is there's no guarantee that we're going to get a return on investment for paying like 10 grand for a review article and some social posts. Um, we're really taking a gamble by uh, going that direction. What we would much rather do instead is uh, operate on a completely performance-based model where we're only paying that affiliate a fixed commission for every sale they generate uh, for one of our clients. Uh, so instead of paying that affiliate $1,000 for creating an Instagram Reels, for example, we can pay them $100 per conversion. Uh, and just so they can generate 10 sales and, and make that grand. Uh, and honestly, if they're not confident in generating those 10 sales from their traffic, it's probably not worth our time anyways. Um, uh, so, hey, Mustafa, I, I just want to kind of dig deeper there because I think what you just brought up is something that a lot of brands run into where from the brand side, they're like, hey, you know, I've got a high converting product, like it's cool, there's a great messaging, but they have limited budget. They go to a creator, a creator's like, yeah, I'm gonna charge you five grand just to do one post. Mm -hmm. And then the brand is like, ah, uh, you know, let me go check with marketing, deal never gets done, right? Yeah. So you just said that you're really, you know, you really focus on gearing these offers so they are performance only. So how do you make that happen? Like, is this just because creators have, worked with you guys over and over so you have the relationship set up so you're able to approach them on the performance basis or how can a brand i guess who's just you know operating for themselves whether they're working with you guys or not with you guys how can they you know how can they get a creator's attention without maybe uh without that upfront cost if they don't have it in their in their budget or their planning of course you have to play the volume game <laughs> um they're to be honest the overwhelming majority of these influencers and uh, uh, publications uh, are charging flat fees nowadays. Some will charge flat fees in addition to a performance model. It's an epidemic. So uh, even us with, you know, large brands, big celebrity names, uh, it's, it's a challenge finding uh, influencers that have the right brand fit, that uh, do have strong engagement and are willing to operate performance only. Um, ultimately, those are the type of partnerships that we want the most, mainly because like, uh, they're more cost efficient, but uh, they're also more long-term relationships where um, it's not one and done, right? They can keep creating content uh, and keep generating sales on the program. So we leverage multiple different uh, channels. Uh, the first would be the affiliate networks. So we're on a dozen different affiliate networks. Uh, Impact, Share a Sale, um, uh, Square Dance, Levanta, um, LTK, the list goes on. Uh, we take a multiple network strategy mainly because each of these networks give us access to uh, a different niche of affiliate. Some uh, will be focused more on the content creators. Some will be focused more on media buyers. Some will be focused only on Amazon affiliates, for example. Uh, so we, we have to take a multiple network strategy for us to be able to capitalize on 
uh, the full range of affiliate opportunities that are out there for us. Uh, second to that is cold outreach. So we're constantly finding opportunities on the open internet. You can search different keywords in Google. Uh, you can leverage tools like BuzzSumo or SimilarWeb or ZoomInfo to get uh, large lists of these mommy bloggers uh, or social media influencers that we can then plop into HubSpot, have personalized outreach towards um, in order to try and get them on a call, uh, in, educate them on our uh, offers and you know, try to get them activated. Uh, we're also leveraging multiple different like online forums, Slack communities. Uh, one of the popular ones in the affiliate space would be STM. Um, but, you know, lots of individual Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, um, <laughs> like mommy blogger community. Yeah, always. Yeah. You're always recruiting. You're always looking um, to grow your network. And that's why people come to you because you put in the time and the work to establish those, those relationships. And, you know, for an eight to nine figure company, they need to assemble an entire team just to do what you're doing. Um, not even taking into, um, you know, not even accounting for the ramp up time and the opportunity cost of the mistakes that they will make um, are going to cost them. So I'm curious, on average, how many affiliate partners are are these companies working with just so um, the audience can get a sense of sort of the scale um, that these companies are working for? Yeah. So on the media buyer side, it'd be less than a dozen. Uh, usually, of course, at scale, you know, we'll pile on you know, additional uh, traffic sources. We're constantly testing new things. Uh, on the content side, since we are playing more of the volume game, uh, it's usually around 100 plus. Uh, but of course, you know, with scale, uh, we can go well above that. Got it. And Musava, my next question comes to attribution, right? Like, how do you guys handle that? Are, are, they, are affiliates working with links? Obviously, on the publication side, you guys are what embedding like they, they have their own tracking links that they can use but on the creator side um what are you seeing that works best is it a promo code is it like a social snowball thing is it another tool that's being used to to track that attribution like how, how are you guys seeing conversion and attribution done on on the social side of things? yeah for sure uh cu custom discount codes are you know the easiest uh for for creators so you know, whatever the name of the influencer is, we'll come up with some clever or short version that they can call out as part of their content. Uh, you can also have, uh, you know, tracking links within your bio as well. Usually the creator will have like a link in bio page and they'll have, uh, you know, affiliate offers towards the bottom because they know, you know, <laughs> that that's something that uh, a lot of their uh, audience uh, likes to click on. Um, but even beyond that, in terms of attribution, um, but you also have to think about the brand side and what's important to them. Um, uh, we plug into Triple Whale, Northbeam, Rockerbox, uh, one of those tools for uh, pretty much all of our uh, clients. Uh, that Those are the platforms that uh, nowadays they're relying as their source of truth. Uh, they're making budget level decisions based on the data that they are seeing on these platforms. So uh, we always get access to these platforms uh, we have people constantly monitoring these platforms to make sure that you know we are optimizing towards uh, more of the type of traffic that uh, you know we deem as favorable. So usually our clients will have you know some kind of CAC figure that we, we're trying to optimize towards uh, or a certain desired conversion path uh, that they're looking for. Um, so for example, if uh, we'll, we'll end up using this as a layer of optimization. So if we see an affiliate that's driving a CAC 
lower than $100 and that's deemed favorable, then that's fantastic. That now gives us a justification to go back to the brand and uh, ask for a higher payout, especially if the, the type of affiliate that can you know, add a zero to an advertising budget like a media buyer can or a content publication that can you know, send out more emails or social posts or create more content uh, to drive uh, more traffic. Uh, same thing if we have an affiliate that's driving insanely high CACs for whatever reason. Uh, now we can go to that affiliate, get an understanding to, okay, what exactly are they doing? Um, do we need to pause out that source or uh, are we able to optimize towards uh, what we are looking for? I have a question on that, actually, because um, I find this interesting case and scenario where, you know, in my experience of working with affiliates, typically, like you say, the best ones are the ones that are value first. And they're not afraid to provide value and show conversions without any upfront payment, et cetera. But some will do that and then they'll say, okay, if you want to work with me again, here's what my engagement looks like and everything. But as you mentioned, it's not necessarily to a completely new audience or new channel. And so I'm like, well, you already shared it. Is it really worth it to, um, to spend again, say, to just do another push to the same audience? So- I guess the way to to sort of drill that down into a question is like, is it worth hitting the same audience over and over um, if you already saw results or is it only worth it if it's like an exposure to something that they hadn't, like they sort of gate kept from you? Ultimately, if they're operating on a performance model, we really don't care. Hey, then you can keep creating content for as long as it aligns with our brand guidelines, but generally you will inevitably see diminishing returns if it isn't the type of publisher that you know, does have a massive audience like of Forbes. Uh, but, but yeah, that's what I would say on that. Got it. And Mustafa, my, my last question in terms of uh, everything else on, on the affiliate side is how do you work with brands? Because again, we, we said we're working on performance only. So like, what are the types of offers that you're putting together? Like what's required on the brands? And do you work with them to come up with the offer? Have they already come up with it? Just and what makes a compelling offer from an affiliate perspective? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we're holding their hand along the way. Uh, we'll do a gap analysis of their program current state, and, and that will largely determine immediate next steps to um, you know how we improve things, how we craft a more attractive affiliate program. Uh, ultimately, you know, uh, payouts are extremely important in the affiliate space. Um, that's like the number one thing that affiliates are going to look at. You know, how much are we going to get paid uh, for every sale that we generate? The good thing is, you know, when you are working with you know, the higher quality, more incremental sources, you can pay so much more for that acquisition, right? Rather than paying an affiliate 5% of an order value, I have to pay them 100%, especially if it's a CBG brand that's going to capitalize on Weavy purchasers. Outside of that, having a war chest of creatives, the number one reason why an affiliate shuts us down, turns us down, says, oh, I'm not interested, it's mainly when we are missing a certain desired asset, whether it's a type of landing page, uh, a, a piece of ad creative, the ability to use a certain influencer or celebrity, or even metrics on the channel that they are running on. Uh, so making sure we have in the hundreds, if not thousands of creatives as much, we can never have too many creatives for affiliates um, it, it is very important. We'll also do a brainstorm session with the brand to get an understanding of, okay, well, what's, what's the hook that we can leverage with affiliates, right? If I go to an affiliate and say, oh, I just have another nail kit brand, uh, they're, I'm not going to get the time of day from them. But if I say it's Paris Hilton's nail kit brand and can show some kind of virality or perhaps they won some big industry award, um, we can do a much better job of 
you know, capturing that affiliate's interest and getting them on the call for further consideration. Uh, and last but not least, uh, optimized landing pages. So uh, the affiliates, it's easy to, you know, get an affiliate to send traffic. I think the more difficult part is keeping them on. Uh, once they start sending traffic, if they see low conversion rates, high acquisition costs, uh, low earnings per click compared to what they are seeing from the ridiculous number of other affiliate offers that exist out there, they're not going to continue with you. They're not going to keep investing more resources. They're just going to go do something else. Uh, so uh, those are some of the main things that would be top of mind for us in crafting very attractive affiliate offers. We are really excited to announce that DTC Pod is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals. And we're really excited about being part of the network because we're going to be able to keep growing the show, bringing you guys amazing guests, and obviously helping you guys learn from the best founders, marketers, and builders of the most successful consumer brands. So anyway, keep listening to DTC Pod and more shows like us on the HubSpot Podcast Network at hubspot.com slash podcast network. So those two, so two questions that immediately come to mind. It seems like the direction I want to take this conversation is more towards it's towards creative and landing pages. That's something that you said you need a ton of creative and you need a ton of uh, you know, landing pages. So why don't you walk me through on the creative side first? What, you know, what type of creative library does a like does a brand need to have? What are you sharing with the affiliates? Are you sharing them examples of content that's performed in the past? Are you sharing them hooks? Like what type of brief, I guess, do you need to give the creator so that they can create their best their best content or their best work? Of course. So the content needs would differ uh, for media buyers to content. Uh, on the media buyer side, uh, it's more your best performing creatives uh, across as many traffic sources as possible. Uh, obviously, most brands internally like will have a whole, only a handful of channels. It is the affiliates that generally are much more diverse in their channel mix. Uh, but having access to those, uh, ideally the corresponding copy and, and any metrics to those just gives us a massive head start in uh, making sure we're orienting ourselves uh, in the right direction on the media buying front. Uh, at the same time, uh, any and all raw assets that would be helpful in creating additional content. So lots of user-generated content, whether it be unboxings or testimonials or just you know product images, uh, those are always very helpful uh, for affiliates that you know do like to create their own ads and do want to retrofit uh, that content for their unique uh, channel mix. On the content side, uh, it's more supplemental, right? Uh, it is the content creators that are going to do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of uh, writing that blog, uh, creating that social post or whatever. Um, usually they'll ask for product samples. Uh, so we'll send them free products. Uh, they'll take their own pictures, you know, do their own review. Uh, but it's always a good practice to make sure you have lots of uh, lifestyle photography um, and a lot of the same assets that, you know, would be valuable on the media buyer side. Um, just so they can incorporate them as part of their content as well. I love that. And then I guess following that up, one other thing you said is on the landing page side, right? Like, so you've got all this great creative, they've got examples, they know what they're going to create, but then ultimately they're driving traffic to a page. Are you, you know, are these unique landing pages that you're spinning up per offer, per creator? Like, how are you housing these? Just just walk us through the whole landing page strategy now that you've you've got you've got the... You've got an affiliate, they've got a, you know, their own traffic source, they've got their reader or their follower on the hook, and now you're sending them somewhere. Where do you send them and how do we build this out? Yeah, so 
ultimately, the landing pages that you're sending to from Meta Ads and Google, uh, just because those are performing doesn't mean it's going to perform on our affiliates native ad or a programmatic ad or any one of those other traffic sources. Um, especially for native ads, you know, you're, you're really not giving the customer much in terms of the front-facing ad, right? Um, you'll see a headline, you'll see an image. Uh, so uh, for those kind of traffic sources, uh, we are spinning up uh, new pages. We're building two dozen pages a month in total across uh, our uh, portfolio of clients. Uh, but uh, just to give an example uh, for native ads, uh, we'll build pre-sell advertorial pages. Uh, so these are long-form blog-style articles that will go in depth as to what the product is, how it works, um, the science behind it, social proof, and why exactly you should buy it. Uh, I'll also have a hook, uh, some kind of angle to um, uh, drive engagement and consideration. So for example, uh, let's say you're selling a cognitive enhancer. Uh, you can have an angle focused on people that work in finance and unique challenges that people that work in finance face or students and the struggles of focusing in class and passing your exams. And we can paint that picture before we educate that customer on the product itself. Uh, so that's what pre-sales would look like. Highly recommend checking out, you know, Miracle Sheets, Blissey, um, uh, Onnit. Those are brands that have, you know, iconic pre-sale pages. You can check them out on their ads libraries. Uh, but uh, that kind of a page, uh, our affiliates would much rather send to because it provides that additional information and education uh, in order to convert that traffic from a customer that really isn't that getting that much uh, top of the funnel. Uh, we'll also build uh, exclusive offer pages where we're giving an affiliate a better deal than they can get anywhere else on the internet. Uh, so a big pain point amongst affiliates is attribution leakage. So there'll be instances where uh, a customer clicks on one of our affiliate links and then instead of buying on the store, immediately they'll buy on Amazon or they'll buy it in store or uh, they'll uh, go out to a different device or browser where our cookies aren't placed. And in those instances, the affiliate doesn't get credited uh, back sale. So by having an exclusive offer um, only for affiliates, only for that instance, uh, we're, we're able to do a much better job of reducing that attribution leakage and uh, it makes the funnel so much more direct response, which affiliates like. Whole bunch of other types of landing pages, quiz funnels, listicles, influencer pages, VSL pages. Yeah. It really depends on the source in terms of what we're building. In terms of how we build it, uh, we're using Replo for uh, all of our landing page builds on uh, on Shopify. So whenever we are building a page that we want to be hosted on the brand's domain, uh, we'll leverage Le Replo for all of those builds. Uh, we also own our own blogs, uh, which are more third-party domains unrelated to the brands. Uh, we host those on Webflow, uh, and uh, that's where uh, most of our pre-sales will be. You know, rather than having a you know pre-sale themed around uh, the the brand, um, we can focus it more on a third-party page like the Kitchen Modern or My Daily Aesthetic. You know, you can come up with any number of these different domains yourself. Um, just to make it look like a more of an organic blog as opposed to messaging that's coming from the brand itself. Yeah, that there's a lot of information there to unpack. So, um, you know, do you guys write this content because, you know, just coming up with each each um, affiliate partner is different, right? And like you mentioned, you don't know what's gonna necessarily. You, you can't have them all go to the homepage because you don't know what's gonna convert best for each one. And like, 
ideating all of these things one by one with each one of these partners is a lot of work. And then having your creative team do all this for each one. So I'm curious, do you guys ever explore with like a concept of like sort of having bounties for all of your affiliates? So like, hey, we're going to pay out X or we're going to do this special reward for anyone that wants to make content with this type of format or anything just to see who grabs it um, rather than like ideating one-on-one because it's not at scale. So it depends media buyer side, content side. For media buyers, it is so much more intentional, right? So we are actually speaking with these affiliates, getting their perspective in terms of what angles, what page types, what offers they would be most interested in running. Uh, and it is, you know, the affiliates, they're the channel experts, right? We're the campaign experts, they're the channel experts. Uh, so we do rely on them for uh, providing us uh, insights uh, for us to, uh, you know, help in ideating and, and build the more of the type of landing pages that they do want to test. On the content side, it's not as important uh, for as long as they have a well-optimized landing page that they can send traffic to. Uh, usually they'll send to a product page or a home page, uh, or if we have an exclusive offer page, we'll build that. Uh, the content affiliates aren't as large of a part of landing page development. Uh, but in terms of incentives and exciting things that we can get uh, affiliates on board with, yeah, like we'll fly affiliates down to conferences, we'll meet them in person, fancy dinners. I mean, uh, lots of different things. We're, we're thinking about giving away a car. I don't know. It's still not confirmed. <laughs> yeah. But Q4 is kind of like to compete in that program. Yeah. Let me know. A new cyber truck. Um, okay. So. So for the blog pieces, do you guys write that? Do you guys put that together? Do you collaborate with the media partner that is going to publish it? Um, I'm just trying to sort of wrap my head around Paul Street's value add here for the brands. Yeah, for sure. So when we're building landing pages, we actually have a copywriting agency. We work with Zero to One, Brandon Ham's agency. Um, uh, they write all of our uh, pre-sale editorial uh, copy as well as offer pages uh, so we, we do that uh, uh, ourselves. We have our uh, designers as well. They're external um, designers that, you know, have expertise in specifically Replo and, and Webflow. Can you actually repeat that question? We could do that part again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries at all. Um, I was thinking if like the content blog, like the copy. So you mentioned you have a copywriting agency, um, but like the brand understands themselves best like what are the value propositions so do you write the articles or does the brand have to provide you the article or is it a collaboration between both of you uh sorry sorry okay uh, let's let's just like officially so the, the listicle yeah, yeah, yeah. just just uh, let, let's cut that last part out and just officially restart three two one go okay um okay so i know you guys do these listicles um that are high converting landing pages for the brands right um, the brands know best their customer, they know best their value propositions, but you know best what converts and what gets people's attention. So do you write these articles or is this a col collaboration between you and the brand or do they do it for you? Yeah, of course. So it, it would be different on the media buyer side and the content side. Uh, on the media buyer side, um, since we are focused more on landing pages, uh, we are the ones that are developing the copy there. We leverage zero to one uh, branded hams agency for uh, all of our uh, landing page copy there. Uh, in terms of the blog content, the more you know, converse content, listicles, uh, those are things that the affiliate is largely responsible for. Like we'll give them assets in terms of brand guidelines and especially in the health and wellness space, we'll have uh, do's and don'ts documents in terms of the claims that you can say, the claims that you can't say. Uh, what are the things that 
uh, generally resonate with customers? What are the unique value propositions that we really want to press our finger on? Uh, so there's a lot of guidance that we provide these creators. And whenever we do get something that's completely <laughs> completely out there, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll hop on a call with that affiliate, you know, give them context to what has performed in the past. Uh, and that's really how we approach those kind of situations. Got it. And so uh, on that same vein, when it comes to UGC, so um, do you guys, just given that, you know, this word creator affiliate, it's all sort of getting blended all together. So for creating the UGC, do you guys also help and run with that strategy? Or is that something completely separate? The brand just feeds you UGC for pipeline content. Whatever we started. Just because there's this aspect of like, you know, negotiating with the same creator who could also be an affiliate, et cetera. Yeah. So whatever we're launching uh, with a new brand, they'll always have a ton of UGC that we can gain access to. Obviously, when you're when you're working with affiliates, uh, you're you're more focused on generating revenue as opposed to generating just uh, like content that you can use for your internal advertising initiatives. Uh, but those are always things that can be negotiated. Those usage rights to that content. Uh, even whitelisting uh, that uh, influence a social media page. Uh, there's a lot of things that uh, aren't typically part of affiliate marketing, but can still be negotiated. So a lot of the larger content publications as well will give out like awards and badges to brands uh, that have made it on one of their top listicles. So um, yeah, the, 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 those are things that you would pay more money for, but um, uh, we're more focused on generating sales, but uh, those are always things that can be negotiated, added. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense. This is why you work with companies that generate eight to nine figures. They're already known brands. Most people have already consumed their product. They have the UGC. So let's take a step back and go, let's think if we're a brand that is just launching, starting out. My dream is to get to work with Paul Street, but I got to get this program started myself and I got to figure out how to hack this together. What are sort of my like, checklist items that I need to to do as my top three things to like create a successful sort of program um, in-house before I can get to something like Paul Street? So number one, you need an affiliate network. Um, that will allow you a mechanism of being able to track these partnerships, but also find and build relationships with these partnerships as well. Uh, so that would be number one. You'll go through a whole process of setting up tracking and putting all your brand information uh, there's so many networks out there, but uh, pick the one that uh, is most concentrated towards the type of affiliates that you do want to work with. The second would be identifying what type of affiliates that you want to work with and which are the type of affiliates that you do want to reach out to. There are more opportunities out there than you will have time for. So you really want to be intentional in terms of uh, well, what are the opportunities that make sense for your unique business vertical uh, industry. Um and last but not least, it would be outreach and optimization. Uh, reaching out to these affiliates, they'll have questions. They'll have a million reasons to why they don't want to run your offer. Uh, when they do run your offer, they'll have a million problems, tracking issues, um, performance issues. So uh, having someone there holding their hand uh, along the way is uh, going to be extremely important to uh, make sure that when you are expending the effort and bringing these relationships on, uh, they're actually sticking around. And, and would you say the person that's there holding their hand should be like, I, I guess where I'm trying to go is like, how how hackable with a VA is it versus like, no, you should have the person that's holding their hand be like their trusted um, sort of partner in like your community. 
member, like sure, a VA can do outreach, et cetera, but like they shouldn't really be the full point of I mean, you can have a little bit more of a cookie cutter approach uh, and have uh, a VA when uh, a large number of affiliates. But of course, there are inherent risks uh, to that from a compliance perspective. Affiliate compliance is um, generally a larger pain point for brands entering the space. Uh, you know, you're working with human beings, right? People are going to make mistakes. You're going to have people, especially if, if you haven't worked with a certain affiliate before, you know, there are people that are malicious out there um, and uh, will you know, intentionally put you on low quality traffic sources or will have grammatical errors in their ads or use uh, a certain celebrity as part of their content that we are not allowed to use. Uh, so um, ha having someone that can actually meet with these affiliates individually and kind of suss out the bullshit is, is going to be important. Uh, but yeah. there are people out there that have uh, more of a, you know, small team of VAs kind of approach. It's not the approach that we like to take. Uh, we like to focus more on, like if we're working with media buyers, we want to have someone with media buy expertise that can have logical conversations with these affiliates. And if we're working with uh, the content affiliates, we, we want to have someone with uh, that kind of a background or has experience working with hundreds of these kind of, or thousands of these kind of publishers uh, to be more meaningful from that optimization lens. That makes sense. And um, I, I know we've been rapid firing here, but I'm very curious about what you mentioned, like, you know, there's people with, you know, that, that can be malicious out there. And, and I've seen like fraud and affiliate be like a big topic. And I'm curious, like what, what, why, why should I be concerned of say my coupon code being spread on a coupon website? Like, isn't it good that people out there are getting it? Um, and, and how can fraud happen and, and how can I yeah, for sure. Uh, this is a very long conversation, so get ready for that. <laughs> uh, in terms of um, the, the the kind of traffic sources that you should avoid that are generally lower quality, uh, some of the notorious ones, like you said, coupon websites. So you know, th there are ways of making coupon websites work, you know, especially where, when you're working with enterprise level brands. Uh, they do leverage coupon sites as more of an awareness channel. Uh, at the same time, uh, uh, there are certain, you know, more gated marketplaces for discounts and offers. Uh, you, Klarna and Afterpay have kind of that uh, version on on their side. Uh, that makes it more like a brand discovery tool as opposed to someone that's just looking for a discount. Unfortunately, what we do see with a, a large portion of coupon traffic is uh, the customer is ready to buy the product, credit card in hand, uh, and they're just going on to Google or using some kind of toolbar to search for a discount, that could be detrimental to a brand because not only now are you reducing that order value, but at the same time, you're having to pay an affiliate, a percentage of that revenue. Uh, so you're, you're losing margins on, in both areas. Uh, another similar source of that kind would be cashback websites. So you'll see a lot of toolbars, a lot of you know search optimized websites like Rockerton, uh, where you can get like 5%, 10% cash back for whatever you're ordering. Uh, some of these are even automatic. Like for as long as you have the toolbar, you'll get the cash back and the affiliate will get paid anyways. So whether the customer would have purchased that product or not, you're, you're still having to pay for it and you're making less money in terms of that order value. Uh, but same thing with cash back websites. You know, there are opportunities to make it incremental. Uh, there are more audience-focused marketplaces for receiving cash back. Some are focused exclusively on students. Some are focused on executive perks. Some are focused on medical workers. So um, 
that makes it again more of a product discovery platform uh, and makes the uh, traffic a little bit more incremental than what we generally see. Uh, us personally, we, we don't like to uh, work with a coupon most cash back uh, anyways, just because you know we, we want to focus on uh, the type of opportunities that we've had more success with in driving high quality incremental traffic. Uh, one more that I'll quickly mention before I get into monitoring and uh, how we protect our brands from uh, malicious instances um, is incentivized traffic. So uh, there are certain traffic sources out there where you can uh, give the customer a reward in exchange for uh, executing on a desired action. So for example, giving them a $50 Amazon gift card in exchange for purchasing a product. For the affiliate, that's fantastic because uh, they're getting paid for that acquisition or um, giving the customer some kind of in-game currency or points uh, is also a very popular route. Obviously, these kind of customers are going to be differently motivated. They may not as be as interested in your product or brand, but just be more interested in the incentive that they are receiving. So you'll see higher order cancellations um, from you know that kind of traffic. And if you are selling more of a durable good, that's detrimental because now you're having to deal with product returns and you're paying for that, right? Um, but when you are incentivizing another action, for example, following a, a social media page or liking a certain Instagram post, and then you're taking the time to educate that customer on your product, on your brand, on your unique value, that's how you can turn that channel to be more incremental. So what I'm trying to say here is, you know, affiliate marketing is on a spectrum. There's a lot of incredible opportunities out there. There's a lot of <laughs> garbage opportunities out there as well. There's a white hat and a black hat side to almost every part of uh, the marketing world. Uh, but those are just some examples of uh, some of the sources that we choose to avoid internally. In terms of monitoring, yeah. or do you want to interrupt me? Go ahead. No, no, go for it. Awesome. Uh, in terms of uh, affiliate monitoring, there are multiple like checks and balances that we uh, have uh, on a regular basis just to make sure our affiliates are all doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, the, the first is, you know, try to focus as best as you can on historical partnerships. So the affiliates that you've already worked with that you have data on, uh, it just makes your life so much easier because there's a sense of familiarity. You know what to expect. They understand your compliance. Um, you also want to make sure you're meeting with these affiliates, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, uh, get a, a deep understanding to their background, their experience, uh, the nature of their traffic source. Uh, and if, if they're not being transparent with you, uh, see these affiliates as strategic partners to your business. If, if they're not providing you with a certain piece of information that you need to make a decision, perhaps that's not the best opportunity for you to work with, right? Um, always ask for referrals, recommendations. Like you'll see which other competing brands are on these affiliate networks. You can ask them, have you worked with this affiliate? How's their quality? Um, establishing those kind of open relationships are really what's going to improve this industry in the long term. In terms of checks, uh, Brand Verity is a tool that we use for uh, brand like search monitoring. So trademark bidding is a huge no-no in the affiliate space. You don't want affiliates bidding on your trademark terms. It'll drive your costs up. Um, so Brand Verity has robots that will s scan uh, a lot of these search engines and provide us daily reports to instances where people are bidding on our brand's uh, keywords. Uh, we'll also leverage different ad spy tools. The Meta ad, ad, ad spy, uh, ads library, TikTok ads library, Google has their own ads transparency network. Uh, we have people checking these to see our ads in the wild just to make sure everything is approved. Uh, we're not using any influencers or celebrities that we're not supposed to, things of that nature. 
Uh, you also want to check attribution and traffic quality. Um, what's the AOV, the average order value on the traffic that we are seeing? Um, whenever we see instances of an affiliate having an extremely high conversion rate, say they're converting at 15% uh, plus, you know, what, what's, what's the affiliate doing, right? Uh, that, 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 that's um, uh, generally a red flag that uh, we will then, you know, delve into deeper just to get better understanding to uh, what is causing such an extremely high conversion rate. Um, and also on the attribution front, I said it before, uh, if we do have an affiliate that's driving traffic that isn't very incremental, uh, perhaps it's at a very high CAC, perhaps um, it, it isn't like the type of conversion path that we're looking for, where they're interacting with multiple other uh, of the brand's internal channels as well. Uh, those are all um, I I examples of regular checks that we do to make sure um, uh, our, the traffic is favorable. We do also have a one-strike policy with affiliates. Uh, so if we do catch an affiliate doing something malicious, we ban them not only on that campaign, but all of our campaigns. And we work with a lot of really pretty brands with celebrities. Uh, affiliates generally want to maintain a strong relationship with us. So um, th that is just one final uh, trigger that we have to um, uh, make sure uh, compliance. Awesome. Um, Mustafa, I feel like we covered so much on the affiliate side of things. I feel like this was like a really proper crash course. As we're kind of wrapping up, um, you know, are you seeing like a an overlap between affiliate and performance, right? Like it, it a lot of the stuff that you were telling me immediately was coming to mind with some of the the whitelisting stuff that I start that I've been starting to see where you've got the brand who's basically putting behind ad spend behind one of these like landers or listicles like you were talking about and running. Is that something that you guys see, involve yourself in, stay away from? How do you see like whitelisting in the space? Yeah, whitelisting um, is not only important for the brands that we work with, because obviously like they want to leverage that uh, as a tool internally in improving their conversion rates. Uh, you know, being able to uh, have an ad that looks like it's coming from an organic you know, influencer as opposed to the brand itself uh, is a tactic that you know, has in the past improved performance. Um, we will also have our media buying affiliates that like to leverage that as well. Uh, we have a partnership with 10 p.m. Curfew. Uh, they own like different domains like at girls or at makeup or at like beauty. And uh, they have like many tens of millions of followers with tons of content and high engagement. So uh, running ads from that kind of a property uh, can be so much more uh, effective performance wise. Uh, so we'll actually have affiliates that you know want to buy into that kind of a service uh, in order to be able to do that. So it really goes two ways. You know, the brand it, themselves are, uh, leveraging uh, that as an internal tool to improve performance, but same thing on uh, the media buyer front in terms of our affiliates as well. Sweet. Um, well, that's awesome. I feel like we covered so much uh, for our listeners who are tuning in. Where can where can we find you? Where are we where can we connect with you? Are you on LinkedIn, Twitter? Why don't you give a shout out to your socials and where we can connect? Of course. Uh, so you can visit Paulstory at Paulstory.co. That's our website. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, Mustafa Saeed. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Mustafa G. Saeed. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Sweet. Well, thanks for coming on the pod. We learned a lot and excited to, uh, you know, we'll have to have you back and we can do some more breakdowns and 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 anytime we're chatting affiliate, we know who to call. Awesome. Thanks for having me on the pod. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. 
Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.